0: Right, welcome back to the Catchpit show everyone. We're joined with the uh, the usual three here. This is Mike Moran and we've got Jason Ritchie. Hi Jason. Hi Mike, Neil, greetings. And Neil Panchard. Hi Neil.
1: Hey Mike, hey Jason.
0: Neil's joining the podcast this evening straight from the bathroom. As as we hey, hey. That's what you said, Neil, before the podcast.
1: I I wish it was bathroom issues instead of bathroom remodeling issues. Like a lot of guys out there, I, I have the I have the blessing and the curse of of being a little handy, of being a tradesman. So when my wife has been bugging me for years to redo the bathroom, finally I said okay, and she says, "Well, who are you going to have do it?" And I said, "Well, me." I said, "I'm not <laughs> trusting anybody else to do the to redo the whole bathroom." So. Now that I'm halfway into it, um, I've I've cursed more than I have in ten years under my breath, of course, you know. But
0: uh, many of our listeners, I'm sure, have been through bathroom remodel or two. What what's giving you trouble, Neil? How can we help you? What is it? Is it the plumbing? Is it the tile?
1: Let's start with the 400 pound cast iron tub. Getting that out. <laughs> And, of course, you know, when they built these homes, my house is built in the mid-'70s. When they built these homes, they basically set the tub and built the whole house around it. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> yeah. like, hey, let's prime everything yeah. up and then pop the tub in. No, it's like the tub's one of the first things to go in. So God bless the guy who has to get that tub out of there, which was uh, basically a cutoff wheel and several uh, carbide saw blades uh, just going to town.
0: Because of it. the weight or why not just open up the doorway some
1: yeah okay i I could could rip walls and doorways out um yeah yeah Yeah. sure add square footage or 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 i could sit there and uh grind away and cut it up into three pieces and haul it out not to mention okay so i did get it up a a 400 pound tub i don't know about you guys but i'm not i'm not up for lifting 200 pounds myself i i I can lift a hundred, maybe a hundred and fifty, but no way. So You
0: you won't ask for help, not even lifting the tub out?
1: That is with help, Mike. That's four hundred divided oh. by two. So that's oh, what we'll I asked get for I got three.
0: And that I don't know <laughs> yeah. to get four. Never <laughs> more manageable
1: I'm, I'm kind of surprised Mike you didn't suggest just taking the roof off and then craning it up and out you know because they do that with trees I don't know why they couldn't do it with the tub just
0: hey you know, I've done some of that kind of nonsense I've yeah. opened exterior walls before hey whatever's easiest
1: so I don't think I want to bore people with the rest of it but I'm I'm making progress the old tubs out the new tubs in haven't got around to the toilet the sink the flooring yet but uh
0: Let's let's so, let's stop there with the tub business because here's my is this a guest bathroom? Is this a master bathroom? Yes, is there only one house? Yes, no, yes. Uh, oh yeah. Guest, I forgot I'm informed bathroom. by my friends that you're not supposed to say master anymore. It's uh primary suite, I believe it's called.
1: I I still say Since master. Since when did you listen to master? Is... Yeah.
0: Uh yeah. Well, they're not really my friends, just associates. Um <laughs> Why? Why put a bathroom? Why put a tub in there? Do, do you do yeah, a lot of I'm, I'm tubbing? Why not just <laughs> tile in a shower? Be done.
2: But the, the
1: the guest bathroom was also the bathroom for the other bedroom. So when the kids, you know, I had two sons when they grew up, yeah. that was basically their bathroom to be shared. Or are by they two we and a
0: half years old still, or are they uh, did they? They're they're not uh, even no. there anymore.
1: No one's still there. I still have one. One is he is he tubbing room. a lot? Uh, n- Not in the last week, he isn't. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, listen. This is great. Stop with the tubs. Nobody needs a tub. Yeah. You don't need a tub. Uh, like my, we to my I used to have this jacuzzi tub in our bathroom, and the kids would swim in it, and they fill it with six hundred gallons of water, and I'd have to pay for it every month. And
2: then it's on my the floors all that. <laughs> I, I had to
1: she talk wants a out of a jacuzzi tub. Because that's what she originally wanted. I said, "There's no way in hell I'm going to put a jacuzzi tub in because, down the road the pump's going to go, things are going to leak. It's going to be, you know." Oh yeah, all it's over all drywalled
0: in too. Yeah, I'm yeah. not I'm not
1: putting. You want a tub you can soak in? That's fine, but we're, that's where we're stopping. The, no jacuzzi tub. But anyway, that's what the tubs for is so my wife can go. Around here we call
2: we call baths uh, dirt soup. You take take a dirt <laughs> soup bath.
0: <laughs> What? Where do you stand on the tub business, Jason? Do you see a need for a bathtub I mean, in twenty twenty
2: three? There's a lot of things I can't remember, but I certainly cannot remember the last time I actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's no right. me either. And I, I like right. to shower. I like to stay clean, but I'm not a bath yep. guy. I don't me, me yeah, either. Not,
0: yeah. Hey, whatever you do, just plan it out. Like I put in the the latest shower I built. My wife always wanted one of those giant rain shower heads, you know, about two feet by two oh, yeah. feet. So, I'm like, I'm going all in. I put the plumbing up in the attic. I did the whole works, you know. I'm coming huh. down. I got copper out the yin-yang, three quarters of an inch, no problemo. Huh. And I put the shower head on there, which in and of itself was quite expensive. And that thing drains our hot water tank completely dry in about three <laughs> and a half minutes. So... <laughs> yeah. um, pushing volume. (laughs) It's (laughs) still there. You got to get in, you got to get
1: out. So I'm curious, Mike, with that, with that rain shower you put in, did you put a huge skylight above then too? So you can watch the Northern lights when you're in there or
0: maybe a meteor shower. I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I like windows. I don't like the turn the lights on in the bathroom. I like the natural light. And so I got, we've got a humongous picture window, you know, like a six foot by six foot ordeal in our bathroom. And I've always got it open. My wife hates it. She's like, what if... I'm like, it's all woods behind her house. And she's like, what if somebody sees me? (laughs) Who's going to see you in the woods? (laughs) The people
1: in the lawn chairs out there. Mike's Mike's in the shower waving to neighbors walking through the
0: woods. and and, Yeah. uh... (laughs) If I wasn't under such tremendous pressure to get my shower done in three minutes... I'd, I'd have a conversation, but you got you got to be focused when you go take a shower in my in my bathroom. So
2: <laughs> three and a half sounds minutes like the, sounds like the Marine Corps
0: max. That's max. Yeah.
2: You get in and you get out. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I gotta. It's on my to do list. Fix that up a little bit. Uh anyway, um, I guess that'll conclude shop talk for Neil tonight. And yeah, I don't. I, I've been heat treating Jason. Congratulations. I saw you were in Blade Magazine. That's the rumor.
2: That's the rumor. I got to get myself a few issues. uh, But yeah, apparently um, I have a little article in in the recent issue of Blade Magazine. So I was pretty surprised to see that, honestly. Who wrote the article and who took the pictures? I had some professional pictures taken of a Zulu spear that I had made um, last year, probably around... I'm not even sure when I built that one to be honest, but I had uh Mitchell Cohen uh photography uh take a few glamour shots of that one as as I like to call them and um he had submitted those to the magazines and uh I had somebody reached out to me from from Blade and said, "Hey, uh we really like this picture, we really like the knife. We're going to put it in a magazine and ask me a few questions, uh you know, just um, as far as what, what content was in the article itself, um, you know, how I got started, things like that. And, uh, I was not expecting an article. I was just expecting, you know, a picture of the knife to be in the magazine. Um, so having an article was, it was pretty humbling to be honest. I was not, not expecting that at all. So
0: did, did you happen to mention for, to, for the interview that you're part of, uh, world famous podcast make sure you plug your friends on the podcast or just was it all about you and you just let your friends fall by the wayside i i think i just curious
2: (laughs) honestly i think i kind of in the moment i might have forgotten to mention about the podcast (laughs) so apologies guys um hey
0: that's fine when we edit this thing we'll just make it Neil and i it's fine we'll cut you out
2: (laughs) you're done it's
0: all fair, love and war. <laughs> oh, hear the moment, and I forgot your audio. Not a yeah. big deal.
2: Well, the way my audio goes, any these makes days. me think.
0: I wonder how long I'm gonna run a test, Neil. I'm gonna start leaving Jason's audio out, and we'll just see how long this podcast goes before Jason realizes nobody <laughs> hears him anymore. Well, twenty episodes, the listenership thirty episodes, might
2: go up. Listenership might go up oh. if you do
0: that. No, no, no. We're coming off the ever-popular truck talk show, where people people got to hear opinions on 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 vehicles they may or may not even own. How can you beat this podcast? I do have to
2: say that yeah, all the
1: four you guys are famous because now with Jason coming out in Blade magazine and and Mike, there was a picture of you in your shop in uh, Knife magazine um, earlier this year. So that's true. Uh, That's true. You guys yeah. evidently don't need need me anymore. You, you're the two famous celebrities. I'm
0: just a
2: I'm just a, a tag along. <laughs> I don't see it. Well, that Well, I, I know
0: Deal was famous long before we were famous, and right. I won't mention anymore. People will have to figure yeah. that out for themselves. But you know, th- tonight's going to be a little bit different. Of course, it's night for us. Who knows what it is for those listening along? But Jason and I have been talking about doing this episode for a long time. And I would say on a probably a weekly basis, one of us gets the question of, how do I get started making pocket knives? Sometimes I want to say, depends on the day, right? Like, why? (laughs) (laughs) Why would you put yourself through this? (laughs) But uh, with with that aside, it's a good question. I feel like it's been answered probably in forums and other media, but um, I thought we would spend our time talking about our take on how to get started i think we both have a very definitive opinion in the year 2023 on how to get started making pocket knives i won't say i won't say we both agree we'll find out if we do or not because we both started very differently and i guess jason let's start with you 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 started by doing recovers correct
2: i certainly did yeah you know early in the going with our conversations here that um we've kind of talked about that a little bit but uh yeah, I started off um just uh by m- modifying and and rehafting or recovering um you know g e c and and case primarily uh there was some other other knives in there, but uh that's kind of how I got my start was just pulling knives apart uh production knives and then you know teaching myself kind of how they worked um really doing a lot of research on different techniques and stuff you know just putting them together and things like cranking blades and slackening pins and all that kind of fun stuff you know and just really dove into it i mean you're right the question comes up often you know how do you get started and it is a giant question it re- it really is it's It's daunting because I think a lot of times for the people that are asking that question, I think to a certain degree they want to be talked out of it. And let me explain. I think a lot of times they want you to give them an answer of this whole checklist of tooling that they should just go out and buy. And let's be honest, unless you're a millionaire you're not going to go out and you're not going to buy all of this tooling all at one time. And and it evolves over time as your skills change. You know, I think it evolves. So really the best answer and the easiest answer is if you want to get started in doing, making any knives maybe, but maybe more so pocket knives, because that's where we're going to speak from. But um, You just got to get after it. You got to start doing it. You got to start somewhere, and you can start with what you have in in your tool drawer currently. You know, you don't need anything special. Very Mm -hmm. minimal tooling, and uh, and and monetary investment, and you can get started and and be doing this in no time. And then you build. Let's come
0: back to the tool. Let's come back to that tooling. Okay. Yeah. And we're, let's just, we'll give the listener a list. Uh, the point of this podcast for Jason and I to have a resource to point folks to that are interested in giving it a shot.
2: Absolutely.
0: But we have to have some philosophical discussions first, I think, and then we'll get into the nuts and bolts on, on how you do it and what you need. And Jason, you mentioned like, they want to be talked out of it and they want, mm-hmm. they're always focused on the tools, which mm-hmm. like, let's say you do have a million dollars to spend and and you've got the space to put all this equipment. You don't know how to use any of those tools. Right. So it, it's <laughs> best to start off with very basic tools. A grinder, you don't know how to use a grinder. A grinder is an extension of your body. It takes a lot of time and experience. Milling yep. machine, you may not have any experience with milling. Yeah, You know, we've got lasers and pantographs and people have CNC machines. I mean, the sky's the limit. There's all kinds of technology and machinery and in the, in the workshop. And most likely you don't have the know-how. So by the time you built the know-how to run all of that equipment, you're talking for a guy that's working full-time with a family, you're talking years could go by. Mm-hmm. If you find yourself focused on the equipment aspect right up front, you're heading down the wrong road you got to just get started on something with what you have. And I think, Jason, maybe we can leave them with a real basic list yeah. of tools here towards the end here. But uh, uh, you don't need much to make a pocket knife to get Let started. Let me jump
1: anyway. in with a question no. for Jason since we're yeah. talking with Jason about this. Okay, so as a guy who's not a knife maker, I can see, okay, you're you're taking a knife apart and you're basically putting it back together with probably new handles or... Uh, something what was the first um, hurdle what was the first kind of roadblock that you went oh this just got harder
2: my biggest hurdle in the early going was figuring out a the most efficient way to contour handles because the first knife I did had some flaws. It had some cracked micarta and whatnot. And the person that gave it to me said, you know, this is a perfectly workable knife, but I'm, I'm going to give it to you. And maybe someday you'll want to, you know, fix it. So you seem like a pretty handy person. So I had that knife for a few years and then uh, I decided to fix it. And I just tore it apart. And when I contoured that micarta, I used a, a, a sanding block, like you can buy at the hardware store and and just regular sandpaper. And I probably... Worked like a full week on trying to contour that micarta by hand like that. So I quickly realized I needed I needed something. I needed some kind of grinder. I didn't know anything about any any belt grinders, sanding discs. I didn't. I've never really used any of them. Um, so there was a few different iterations that I brought into my shop to try to find what would work best as far as g- getting most of that contouring done and then finishing it off by hand from there so that was that was a challenge it was really a challenge for me personally but once I got it figured out I feel like I'm doing pretty good at it now but that was probably probably the biggest hurdle I would say Mm. until I got into knife making and then you're talking about blade grindings and that's obviously a major hurdle for Probably most knife makers, right? Anybody can do the other stuff, really. You really can, but the blade grinding is what takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of focus, Um, and to me, it's the most important part of building a knife, to be quite honest. I don't know if that answers your question, but... That does.
1: Going back to the basics, I would think even pinning would be a little tricky. You know, obviously there's places out there that have um, all the supplies you need to do this, but there's still an art in, I would Mm -hmm. think, pinning the knife back together again and i don't know if you guys are using any spinning tools if you're doing it all just hand peening, but um i would think that would be a tough one to to, to get a handle on <laughs> pardon the pun
2: uh, mike you'd probably agree with me um learning how to blend pins into bolster material is it's definitely an art it definitely takes it takes a lot of practice it takes a lot of practice um not just the blending, but the peening part, trying to get that seal. And I, I asked the question, I probably asked Mike. Uh, Mike, I'm sure, asked the question of somebody. I, I don't know anybody that's been involved in making pocket knives, slip joints, that's not reached out to somebody and said, How in the heck do, what do I got to do here to get these things to blend? How do I, what do I got to do? Because it, you're right, Neil, that, that is a very tough trick to master in the early going for sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. But but not super important because if you're I see this a lot. People they're so focused on m- that first knife. They think that mm-hmm. they're going to sell it or something. You know, it's just like <laughs> yeah. enjoy the process, enjoy the learning experience. Yeah. You'll you'll remember it forever. <laughs> you're mm-hmm. not going to sell your first knife if you're trying to. You're you're nuts. <laughs> you're nuts.
2: Yeah, for sure. For sure, or your first recover, you know. I don't. I don't. I think I might have done, yeah, quite a few before I I actually started charging people for the service. You know, you want to be confident in what you're doing, man. You don't want to. Yeah. Don't want to be turning over a bunch of crap. Yeah,
0: and you're messing with other people's knives, property, right? There's a little pressure there. Yeah. Yeah. So before we go into, I want to talk more about rehandles. This is going to be a spoiler alert, so you won't. Jason and I both believe that the best way to get into making pocket knives is by doing re You learn how a knife works from a factory. You learn quickly what doesn't work. You learn how to finish a knife, finish the handles, which is probably one of the harder parts in my mind, um, coming from a guy who didn't learn that first, and You learn how to make a knife work. You have to learn how to inlay shields, blend pins that Jason was talking about, finish work on the blades possibly, sharpening, all this important stuff. It is the best way to start making pocket knives, bar none. Now, just a little background. I didn't start that way. I started the most ridiculous way you can, which is I'm going to make a whole pocket knife from scratch. (laughs) No no pattern, no nothing. <laughs> Just figure it out. Make my own design. Uh, no tools. I had a cordless. I, had, I it wasn't cordless. It was a corded Black and Decker drill, and I had file a file. I filed the blade. I had a torch. I built a kiln. Uh, multiple iterations. It was a hot mess, and it worked. It folded. It cut. It sharpened the whole works, and it. I mean, it is a nightmare. Um, I would not recommend that. And I've been on that road of recovery from from that knife <laughs> for 10 years almost. So uh, I do not recommend you try and make an, a pocket knife from start. You know, a lot of guys reach out and they've never made a knife, period, and they want to make a pocket knife. That's the wrong approach. Start with a fixed blade if you want to make something. Better yet, buy a kit knife where the blade's already ground and heat treated and you can practice putting handles on a fixed blade knife and you can practice cleaning it up and contouring it and pin work and sharpening and all that kind of stuff. If that's the route you want to go, you can start like that, but don't try and make something from scratch. Now, if you want to, if your goal is just to make one knife and have it and, and be able to say you made this knife, Hey, knock yourself out, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it. So, uh, and the same goes with pocket knives. I, I if you want to do it, it's going to be an ugly thing you pull out of your pocket. I, I wouldn't do it. I'd start with rehandles. And I think we'll, I'll, I'll end that conversation right there that we're big believers in rehandle work. And it is the fastest way to go down the road to being able to make a pocket knife, which takes many years. Now, how many years did you do rehandle work, Jason, before you made your first knife?
2: I want to say I it was approximately 18 months. So I was doing rehandles for it. Was not long? No. Okay. No. Um but but looking back at where I was, like I just I got into it a because I I really liked to tinker and play around. Um and then, you know, I I was pretty decent at it to start, so I figured out, well, maybe I can make a little extra coin here and then, you know, sink that back into this little shop I'm putting together down here and, and just be happy doing that. And, uh, but what I didn't realize at the time was starting small. Yeah. You're doing rehandle work and you're handling other people's property, or maybe you just buy knives and do them on your own. you, see, you can certainly buy cheap knives and do that all day. But it, I started small. I didn't realize it at the time. Like I just figured I'm just going to do this. And just, I just use basic hand tools and started doing it and and just started putting together, you know, more and more tooling and getting better with that tooling and building from there. But I started small, right? I didn't, and, and the other thing, looking back on it, is, is those, those production knives do offer you opportunities to, to hone your craft as far as possibly making pocket knives. Because, like on the GEC knives, they're not flush, right? They're not flush in all three. You can, you can play with that a little bit if you want. You know, you can try to learn how to do flush all three on a pocket knife that's already built. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the first time I used a bushing in a knife was on a on on one of those little case swaybacks, and uh, I had just gotten my little Rupel jig, and I'm like, I'm gonna. It was really crude. It wasn't the best of things, but I I put a bushing in it you know i've worked on the flush and all three with it and uh it it turned yeah. out fairly decent you know so
0: yeah so another step closer to making a knife
2: another step closer to making a knife for sure for sure yeah i, I honestly um i was pretty happy with doing the recover work and uh i just it, it was a total kind of a total fluke i have this good friend who had dabbled in making uh, pu- uh like locking folders and and he had this mill he also does tattoos. He wanted to get out of the knife making experiment he was trying with himself so uh, he needed <laughs> he, he he needed a new a new chair for his uh his tattoo parlor. So he he knew I was kind of messing around with it and uh he he offered the mill and and there's no doubt man. I I got the deal of the century. I bought this I bought the mill I have with Thousands of dollars worth of tooling for literally eight hundred bucks, and 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 then not only that, Mike, like I didn't know how to run a mill, right. so so there's a learning curve. You don't there. know how
0: to tram a mill, yeah. You don't Had know how no to idea. set the thing up,
2: nothing. But what I did have is I have a neighbor next door. He's you know one of my best friends, and he is a that's he's a machinist for the Rock Island Arsenal. So for about two weeks, this guy was giving me crash course. So he took my learning curve, which. Probably realistically would have been a year or so, and he compacted it down into a, a matter of weeks for me, yeah, sheer luck for me, you know, but if it's something you want to get into, you have to be looking for those opportunities. you really do
1: uh, just quick question jason when you when you when you very first started, were you ripping the whole knife apart or just popping the handles off and popping new handles on? Were you pulling the blade pin?
2: Yeah, I ripped the whole knife
1: apart. I took
2: it okay. complete, completely apart. Yep.
1: Okay. And if they had soldered bolsters,
2: were you were you popping those off and resoldering? The GEC knives and the G um, and the case knives, none of those had soldered bolsters. None of the production knives had soldered bolsters. Okay. And I wasn't yeah, working on all anything Tommy Don. but the
0: production. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, they're all pinned on so. There is one thing. There is one tool. Mike, you might own one. There is one tool that I don't own that probably would help me out immensely. And it's a Cutler's Anvil. I don't own a Cutler's Anvil. Do you, Mike?
0: I don't either. I went down to the metal store, probably Metal Store LLC in Google. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. They're everywhere. And I said, hey, you guys got any hardenable steel? <laughs> 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 and I had already had, I had already heat-treated knives, so uh, I kind of knew what I was doing. And they they had cut off some A2, and it was, I don't know, maybe uh, six inches in diameter. And I'm like, can I have that? They're like, yeah, we don't want it. How much do I owe you? Uh, nothing. So I took that home and stuck it in the oven and hardened it, and I've been using it ever since.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I also use a really hard piece of railroad track. I, I can't. I think we talked about it before. I, I yeah. For a real for a real anvil, I use a really hard piece of railroad track, and it's way too big for like it's twenty inches long. So, uh-huh. <laughs> waste. I don't know how lo- how much it weighs. A lot. I'm sure you know this, Jason. But uh,
2: yeah, you have you literally have probably half of a short line in your in your shop. As far as it, track it's is ridiculous. Concerned. Yeah, it,
0: yeah. It, <laughs> I, I need like a sixth of that. But um, <laughs> I use that for most of my painting. But for like painting covers on stuff, I just have this little anvil I keep on my workbench, and I, I use that that I made. There's a lot of guys that. You can get those cutler anvils. They allow you to pin stuff from the inside. Yeah, that's. You know, like, yeah. They've I'm got su- a lip on them. I'm
1: surprised you guys don't have that because I've seen those uh-uh. and I'm thinking, man,
2: every cutler must no, have No, because we're going to tear the
0: whole knife apart. We're going to tear the whole knife apart and rebuild the thing if we ever have to do anything.
2: Yeah. Hmm. My buddy, my buddy Brad Jansen makes them, those cutler anvils. Yeah. I just I haven't ponied up and bought one from him yet. I do have a peening anvil from him, but I use I use just a little. I use a one, two, three block that doesn't have holes in it. It's just a square steel block. That's kind of my little Cutler's anvil that sits on my desk.
0: Yeah. You don't, you don't need much. In fact, that was a good question, Neil. Um, the first time I peened something was just on the little anvil on my vice yeah. that I had on my workbench, um, which turned out to be way too soft. <laughs> but uh, uh, next, I knew it was way too soft, so, you know, I went on the internets. And I figured out, well, you can just go down and get a hardened bolt from the hardware store. So I went down and I don't think I found anything from like Home Depot, but I did find a bolt and I can't remember where it was. it doesn't matter, but I think it was from a mechanics, from a local mechanic shop. I had like a right angle grinder and I ground that thing. It had like some uh, letters on the top of it or something. So I ground those things off and I just stuck it in my vice and anything I need, anytime I needed to peen, I'd put that in my vice and I'd peen it on that top of that bolt, which was, I'm guessing like the head of the bolt was like an inch and a quarter inch and a half. And I would use that. So there's a lot of ways to get started.
2: Now, if you bring this back around to the whole getting started factor, like this is where it's at guys. This is... Literally, the nuts and the bolts. If you want it bad
0: enough, you'll make it happen.
2: You 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 figure out what works and what doesn't work, right? You you go to the hardware store and you'll spend fifty dollars, and twenty five of that is garbage because it didn't work. But twenty five of it might have sparked something in the brain to go, oh, yeah. Now, how do I improve upon that? From there, you know, and then it's just it's it's a slow building process of knowledge. And tooling and skill, slow. Yeah. It doesn't, you can't That's go right. buy a knife shop. You, you probably can. if yeah. you, I mean, if you got enough you money, could. you can you, go you buy could. a knife shop.
0: And you could go out and buy all the equipment you wanted, but you would have no knowledge.
2: Doesn't make you a knife maker.
0: Doesn't. So, all right, Jason, let, we're talking tools. You got to have a hammer. Hammer. You got to have a, a vice, simple little yep. vice. Yep. You get this all by the way. You can get all this stuff at Harbor Freight or um, whatever store, Home Depot, Lowe's, yeah. uh, whatever the Harbor Freight equivalent is in your area where you can buy cheap Chinese tools. You can get a hammer, you can get a pair of cutoffs, you can get a vise, you can get an anvil too. You can get all that stuff pretty cheap. You're gonna need I would not recommend the fifty-year-old Black and Decker corded drill that had like frayed <laughs> wires in multiple spots. I would get a drill press, like a fifty-dollar drill press press, or get something off of uh, off of eBay or Facebook yeah. or Craigslist or break into those your little, neighbor's garage. Whatever the, works.
2: I think you have one. Those little Wends. Like, I think you can pick up one of them little wins. I don't, I
0: don't have a win, but, yeah, you can pick up a win off of Amazon for, like, a $100 yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah they're, they're those cheap. Are, those are fine.
2: You can upgrade the chuck and them things, you know?
0: I, I've seen $10,000 knives being made with those before. So Sure. You can. if you're going to take our advice, take our advice, but don't start going and, and getting all these other guys' advice in these Facebook threads. Because they'll tell you, you need a milling machine to drill straight holes, and all that stuff's just... Total garbage nonsense. So go get yourself a drill press. Figure out, go on YouTube, learn how to tram that thing and get it square to the table and yeah. all that. Don't worry about run out. Don't worry that the drill bits going crazy. <laughs> You'll be all right. And uh, all right. So we got drill press. We got all the bait. We got some hand tools. You're going ne- to need some needle files, Harbor Freight again. You're going to need, um, shoot, you can contour the whole knife with a file, the handles, Yep. If you're going to need a hacksaw. If you're lucky enough, you can get a metal cutting bandsaw. You'll need something that, uh, like a flat surface to work on. A lot of times you've got sand little things here and there. You need some flat surface. You can go granite countertop place, get a cutoff for nothing. They'll just give it to you because they're never yep. going to use it again. Granite, it's pretty true. You can get a, go to a glass place. Every locale has got a place that cuts tempered glass get yourself a little three-eighths inch sheet of glass you can get a surface plate usually from like woodworking stores mm-hmm. if they're local or something like that they're usually fairly inexpensive and they're about you know, 50, 50 bucks 50 bucks for a good is, surface plate. millionth of a inch yeah 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 i've got one so all right so you got a flat surface for sanding little things and you'll know, need some sandpaper you'll figure all that kind of crap out what do you think? A little grinder from Harbor Freight? Like a little disc grinder or something? Get stuff? Does that
2: help? This is my favorite part here. Because if you take any piece of advice from me, if you want to get into rehandle work, knife making, what have you, do yourself a favor. Get on Menards.com. Go to your Menards store, wherever you go. Wherever you can find Menards. And they've got this little 5-inch disc. Is it, is it made by Powermatic or something?
0: It's a little five-inch That's their in-house disc. brand, isn't it? Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. That thing is $45, okay? It's got a Boom. little variable speed control on it that goes from zero to a million mile an hour. I'm not kidding you. It's, <laughs> I, I still have mine in my <laughs> shop. I have, I have, I have a $1,200 nine-inch disc, and I have a $45 five-inch disc from Menards. Which one do you think I use more? I use that five-inch disc... <sighs> every day for every single knife that nine inch i could i could give it away and i wouldn't miss it i wouldn't miss it one bit yeah so if you take any piece of advice get that little disc from menards it is i'm telling you the little work rest on it is square it's true it's a tight little thing i'm telling you this thing i back beveled uh i took my my disc off, I back beveled it. I made cutouts on the sides, you know, so you could get in closer to the disc itself. Man, if I would have had that from day one, boy, I'd be light years ahead. Light years. That thing is all awesome. All right,
0: get that disc, guys. Get you don't it. have to go to Menards. You probably go online or something. You can get it
2: online, know. yeah.
0: All right, so there's a, probably enough equipment. You'll need supplies and pin stock and all that and some handle material. Boom done either work. you want to do it or you don't you don't need much
2: nope if you if you do it with minimal stuff and you love it and you're you know hammer some sandpaper or drill press some you know crude pin stock, whatever some micarta you found at you know some electrical store or something whatever but and you do it and you love it you're gonna figure it out you're gonna figure it out and you're gonna build and you're gonna build your skills and your knowledge and then your tools and it and it just it's all downhill from there is a deep dark rabbit
0: hole boom there you go get yourself a good factory knife get one by GEC that's that's getting tougher isn't it
2: it's it's getting real tough one real tough
0: I'd say you start with a case knife but I'm gonna try and keep it positive tonight you could, you could start, You, you, what, you want, what you want to look for is just a single-bladed knife. And one and that's got a straight handle on it with not a lot of curves, something fairly simple to work on. So if you can do that, you'll be in good shape. Get yeah. that, tear it apart, figure out how to tear apart. You'll figure it out if you want to. And figure out how to put some new handles on there. Do it again, do it again. Do it after that, do it another time. And then maybe you'll be... Figure out how to put a shield in there, and just keep progressing. Well, I think we I think we answered that. Anything else to add, Jason?
2: You know, if you if it's something you want to do, man, I can't I can't express enough that you just got to get, you just got to do it. You you got to start, and you got to do it. From where we started up the conversation here, I see it all the time. You know, what do I need to get a shop started? Well, that's a pretty big question, right? What What you really need is the want to. And if you want to, yep. you just got, then you just get started, and it, it all snowballs from there.
1: You also need a, a, some kind of a space, whether it's inside or outside, that you can throw that knife when you're really frustrated. Because I, I know Mike's <laughs> pitched a few <laughs> out yeah, the backyard. that's true.
0: And oh, I, yeah. I had a buddy
1: yeah. years ago, that was a pretty good knife maker, but he said at least once or twice a year, he'd take a knife outside, set it on a stump, and I'd load his forty five into it. He said that knife would piss me off so bad it would feel so good just to just to blow it off the stump with my forty-five, and then I'd go in and start over again.
2: <laughs> is that buddy's Jason,
1: name wasn't Jason?
2: Mike Moran? Is it? No, Mike, Mike just
1: throws them out. in the <laughs> No, bed.
0: I don't shoot mine; I throw them. Throws them. Yeah. <laughs> J- I throw Jason,
1: have you ever pitched a knife because you were so pissed off at it?
2: Honestly, I I, I haven't. I have scrapped a few. What? No, I, as a matter of fact, I. I i my buddy owns a knife that i um that I gave up on and, yeah. and then I when my grinding skills got better, I took that blade that I had already screwed up and I reground it. it turned out you know fairly fairly good I'm proud of it, so I gave it away to him but uh no i I've always seen a lot of value in just pushing pushing through i don't I don't stop I go until it's done and if it turns out like dog crap. And it's a dog crap knife, but at least I learned something. That's right. There's there's no quit in this cat.
0: It will be excessively frustrating if you try and make knives excessively. I know knife makers that don't keep guns in their shops mm. because there can be some there can be some terrible terrible days no, making knives. No
1: guns, no whiskey.
0: So, <laughs> yeah, it can be. <laughs> there there can be high highs and there can be some oftentimes a lot more lows so uh the 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 right attitude though is you're always learning you are going to make mistakes you're going to be costly mistakes but you're always getting better you're always hopefully not going to repeat the mistake unless you're me i'll repeat it a couple times but once i got got it i got it then but uh it's always a learning opportunity
1: yeah yep didn't tony bose even say he's never made a perfect knife
0: Yes, I think almost all knife makers would say that. The best, knife, oh, the, yeah. the, best, knife of the maker. best
1: would say, "I've never made yeah. a perfect knife."
0: That's right.
2: Yeah, I. Uh, you can pick up anybody's knife, and and uh, you know you can find a flaw in anybody's knife. I've handled Tony's knives. I've seen the flaws, but you know, I. It to me, it, in in my mind's eye, that's where the beauty of making handmade custom knives is. Anyways. So I agree, you know, if you want perfection, there's guys, maybe they ain't building, um, pocket knives, but there's people that, that do perfection, you know, off the CNC and, and they can get it pretty, pretty darn slick. But, um, that's, that's not, I don't feel like that's what we're doing here. There is some beauty in, in those small, tiny imperfections, I think some unique character.
0: Yeah. We'll call it that. Yeah. Yeah. i'll make a knife i will finish one here a day or two after this podcast and i'm sure i'll say to myself that came out pretty good it's looking pretty good and i know in five years from now when i see that knife i'll probably cringe i hope i hope to cringe right like that's kind of goal if you don't then you're not making even more progress you're not advancing And, and i think that for some of us we're trying to reach that goal of perfection we know we'll never get there but we're going to try anyway because we're idiots
2: honestly i've said this before people have asked me if you know if i'm ever going to go full-time mike and i i admire you for um having the guts and the patience to to do that i just i don't i don't think i could stomach it i don't think i could stomach being a full-time maker um so i'm pretty pretty happy and and grateful to have the situation I have. I I like doing them part time, but man, what the pressure you guys feel as full time makers? It's got to be immense. I mean, if I don't finish a knife or it doesn't turn out right and I can't sell it or whatever, what do I care? But you know, for you, it's your livelihood. You know, there's a lot on yep. the line on every single knife. It's uh it's a, two dichotomies. Part-time and, and full-time.
0: Don't do it for a living. I'm telling you. <laughs> it is a tough way to make a buck. <laughs> it, don't get me wrong. It's very rewarding working for yourself. But uh, it, Oh, yeah. Working for yourself making knives is very difficult, especially when you're this dummy. So <laughs> if I had to do all over again, I don't know. You know, If I'd leave my cush uh, corporate job, I don't know. Yeah, you would. Follow, 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 I probably... Follow up with me in 10 years from now. I'm, I'm eking by, so. I think you heard it from Jason and I. If you're interested in making pocket knives, start with recovers. If you want to make a whole knife, you got to start with a fixed blade knife. You can't just jump into making pocket knives.
2: And just, just go do it. Just go do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah.
0: Don't, don't come crawling around our Instagram direct messages with all these questions. You never even never even sharpened a knife let alone try to make something get out of here
1: uh, Mike a question um, do, do you know of any I, I know you're not big on YouTube or videos but are there any videos or any books that you would recommend anybody to go get and say hey this is this will kind of help you It's a it's a good tutorial it, it won't make you a knife maker but maybe it'll it'll show you a few shortcuts mm. or give you a few tips on on getting started or getting the ball rolling
0: i i think so i think there's stuff on youtube i got started before there was really anything on youtube right. they were just little fragment videos and there were some stuff on like fixed blade knives or you know modern folders but not not on traditional pocket knives on rehandle work i don't think there really is uh, you mm-hmm. can cobble some stuff together i would say go get on the forums find some people that do rehandle work and look back through their threads, or find their Instagram or their Facebook or whatever social media is popular. When you listen to this, and look back at their work, and you'll see stuff. You'll see work in progress pics and tools. You'll pick up on little things, techniques. yeah. You'll 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 pick up on it if you're keen enough, and that's how you'll do it. Now, as far as making pocket knives, yes, there's some excellent resources from Chris Crawford. We've mentioned those before. There's some DVDs out there from Luke Swenson, um, Bill Rupel, and others on making pocket knives. Craig's got one or two there, so those are great resources. They're not going to show you everything, though. They're going to assume that you already know how to grind a blade because most Mm -hmm. guys assume that if you're going to take on something as difficult as making a pocket knife from scratch that you're you've made at least one fixed blade in your life and know how to grind and if you don't know how to grind a blade man i say you better cut out 100 eyes and just sit there and grind grind bevels till you're crossing the eyes and then do it again the next day grind a blade throw it in the trash can grind a blade throw it in a trash can (laughs) that's how you learn how to grind a blade uh, at least by freehanding. I don't know. Maybe with fancy jigs you can do it the first time, but
2: but uh, still learn how to grind a blade. I don't. If you're, yeah, I I don't disparage jigs, but um, it, it ain't going to solve every problem for you. Maybe it's a shortcut. Maybe it isn't. But um, you're still going to have to pull a blade off that jig at some point and correct something. You better know how to do it because if you don't, yeah, you, you just ruined all that work. That you did on that jig,
0: like Jason said, there's no poo-poo jigs or any other techniques. But you, you should learn how to do something freehand, just so you know, if, even if you have no intention, and you should be semi-proficient at it. Yeah, well, we won't make this any longer. If you want to make your own pocket knives, you gotta start somewhere. Pick a spot to start. We recommend rehandling, recovering a knife. Do that. You'll learn so many skills and it'll make everything so much easier. And if you're still really interested a year later, boom, you will have all those skills and you can just start making knives. Just like old Jason here. <laughs> One day he was throwing recovers. Next day he's like uh, find it, figuring out how to plug a heat treating oven in. And the next day after that, was, he was making knives.
2: It happened pretty quickly like that too.
0: It did. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening along. Neil, good luck with your bathroom.
2: Thanks Good luck, Neil
0: I guess that's why they call them bathrooms He's got a bathtub in there Yeah (laughs) A shower room
2: Taking his his dirt suit (laughs) bath